Hey, Mercy All students, Pastor Dan here. Um, I don't know how your week's going. My week has been very, very weird. Uh, uh, and I think it's because this was the week we're supposed to be at camp. We were going to have uh, lip syncs would have been last night. We still had a full day of camp left today. Uh, and so to not be there has been uh, very, very weird, almost uh, just a little sad, sad to me. I'm, I think probably sort of a little sad, sad for, for you guys as well. The good news is, though, our summer camp is canceled we've pushed it back uh to winter camp so it'll be right when school gets out december 18th through the 22nd same place adam page is going to come 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 preach J jonathan revis is going to come lead singing a lot of uh, the whole team uh, that helps to lead it are going to be there as well so it's going to feel like summer camp without the heat uh so it could be a very very awesome time so there's still hope for that to come um, but, you know, we, we're thinking about it, and uh, so tonight we're doing an EDGE Online Youth Camp Edition. Uh, and what does that mean? Well, th what that means is we've got some, some very special guests uh, on uh, our EDGE Online t tonight to lead. Uh, and so I hope you, um, you join in, you sing along. Uh, you uh, grab your Bibles, you're gonna, going to need that as we, we jump into the Word. Uh, the great news is the same God that moves at youth camp is the same God that moves, that, that is here uh, at church, that is uh, here in your, in your house. Uh, and He is wanting to work in your life as much now as He, as he does at camp. Uh, so don't miss God speaking to you tonight. Uh, one more thing, there's a birthday to cel cel celebrate today uh, it's a Wednesday so we celebrate birthdays and uh, that would be my Caitlin Walsh who is 17 uh, ha happy birthday Kate and I am proud to be your dad all right so let's join in and uh, enjoy the show are you guys ready Olive are you ready Box fans, and nothing changed about this old town since the one not singing. Oh, something that's cool about this place where the little birds and big bears play. Lots of people find amazing rings and drive away forever. Change cause she liked up in the DLC, so we liked up in the city too. Oh, we're turning up our idols like a dragon free. Oh 
Olive. I went with my friends to the blues. Got popcorn and drink and found our seats. We were so excited to see that new Marvel movie. But our joy turned to dread. They all ended up dead. They all died. Hill. Um, I have the honor of sort of sharing with you tonight uh, the lesson or a study, I think, that uh, has been going on online. But you guys, I think, get to meet pretty soon as a church, so that's exciting. But um, I missed uh, our time at camp uh, this past year. I missed a lot of stuff about camp. Um, I think a part of this is that you get to hear a little bit of Jonathan Revis play his awesome songs. Uh, that's always a great part. And then really just being able to spend time together uh, sort of away from the day-to-day -day thing. And, and so I know a lot of you guys are missing that. Uh, don't be discouraged. Uh, hopefully uh, everything works out in the, in the winter and we're able to sort of reconvene. And there's nothing better than Christmas themes. Uh, so we'll just have eggnog together and we'll sing carols. Uh, we'll go cabin to cabin and carol. And so I'm really excited about that. Uh, they're not allowing me to be a part of the planning process. Uh, that's probably why. But um, I have a, a passage of scripture I would love to share with you tonight that's been on my mind. It's sort of been uh, obsessed 
uh, with the book of First Peter recently. Um, the, the question that's sort of a part of First Peter in general, the theme to it is, how do we experience good days in the midst of bad ones? And, that, and that's not making it all about how we feel. Um, our feelings are fleeting, so we could feel completely different from a Monday to Wednesday. We can't base truth in that. We, we can't find our cornerstone or our foundation or the basis of who we are and why we live and what we do and what we love in just our feelings uh, because they are so um, constantly changing. And so the, the Bible, the Word of God, perfect um, in, in every scripture uh, is sort of guiding us as a lamp or a light to those right answers. And First Peter does a wonderful job, of course, um, written by the disciple Peter of, of asking that question, how do we experience good days in the midst of bad ones? And specifically, he's writing it in his context as a, as a background um, to persecution. And I, I know today as believers in Jesus Christ, uh, we often feel persecuted and we often throw that word persecution around a lot. Um, I would be very careful uh, as a follower of Jesus Christ saying that we are persecuted in the country. Now we may we may be castigated, we may be set aside, and people may not want to be our friends if we, we live a life of truth and love, but that's different than being persecuted when you look at what's happening to brothers and sisters in China and Sudan and what's happened to brothers and sisters in Christ all throughout Christian history. Um, and we'll touch on that just a little bit, but I wanted to offer you sort of four points, a guide, if you will, um, from 1 Peter 3, verses 8 through 22. So if you have your Bibles, open those up. This is nothing without the Word of God. Uh, pastors are but messengers of the true message of the gospel. Um, and while you're sort of gathering your Bibles or your notes or whatever you wanted to get over the next 13 or 14 minutes, um, I, I can't uh, help but think about the heat and sort of mention the heat index and how we talked about camp. And I know that's one thing we probably don't love is how incredibly hot it is. Uh, at camp. And so I am looking forward, if I'm honest, maybe it's my age showing uh, in more than one way other than like male pattern baldness. But December uh, is a little cooler. Um, it's still Florida, but uh, I am excited about that. But right now it's incredibly hot, crazy hot. And one thing that I love and I know you love is finding a place of shade. Uh, there's nothing better than a place of shade. Well, um, if you look at shade as it contrasts to heat, you'll find that it uh, provides a welcoming feeling for us. Um, and if you take that illustration in the same way that you look at the gospel in the midst of a dying world, a fallen world, it sort of acts like shade for us. We welcome it. We're excited to see it. We long for it because it's so hot outside and that heat takes a physical toll. Well, Peter knew that. The early church knew that. And we're experiencing some of the same things of the early church, but not near the same amount of persecution. And so really there are four basic instructions in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 22. Um, and the first one is seek peace. So if you uh, look at um, verse 8 through 10, uh, you'll see that sort of in a paraphrasing, um, we, we understand that uh, Psalm 34, 12 through 16 is kind of there uh, in reference um, the one who wants to love life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. So we've got some instructions there at the beginning. But then verse 8 sort of goes right into what Peter is talking about, uh, seeking peace. So Peter's theme throughout this entire letter is that in any situation, we can always respond like Jesus. We can look at what Jesus did in dark days. We uh, looked at that a while, I'm sure. And, and he was patient. He entrusted himself to God and he kept doing good. But Peter goes on and says, when you suffer, you can do the same basic thing. So don't think for a second you can't. And so the first thing he gives us out of verse 8, if you're looking there, 
is seek peace. And this is how he starts it. Um, this is to the church, to everyone who proclaims that Jesus Christ is their Savior and Lord, that has that saving faith that was given to them by God's grace uh, and redemption in life. And so verse 8 says this, be like-minded. Now, be like-minded means that we are to pursue unity. And that's where we sort of get this first charge of seeking peace. And let's point out the obvious. The fact that Peter commands this of us means that it doesn't always come naturally to us. Um, and that's because in a, in, a, in a current setting, you're supposed to have people of different cultures and backgrounds and, and that looks more like common hope when your hope is in Christ. But we're all sort of from similar uh, backgrounds, possibly sort of similar areas. Even in Yuli or Fernandina, there's a similarity that sort of unites us. And so it's harder possibly to find that, that type of diversity. And so what the church is really about is a group of diverse people who find a unity in Christ that outweighs all of these other differences. I know right now uh, it can seem like the groups are divided between who wears a mask and who doesn't wear a mask. Um, uh, who believes uh, a certain doctrine and who is having trouble with a certain doctrine that is biblical. Things of that nature might divide us. But the church is supposed to be a group of believers in Jesus Christ who are held together by the Holy Spirit and want to seek peace because this is acting as a shade for us in the midst of a dying world. Not choosing uh, lost ways, choosing to be with people who don't know Jesus Christ and, and make them counsel and make them friends, but really finding your comfort even around people you don't share all of the other superficial things in common with, but what you do share is a love of Jesus. And so he then gives us two words necessary for developing that kind of like-mindedness. He says, first of all, verse 8, um, be sympathetic with one another. Sympathy comes easier for some people than it does other people. Other people I've seen work really hard to be sympathetic, but it's just not a natural thing for them. But uh, sympathy means feeling something alongside someone else. Uh, it's actually what friendship's supposed to emulate when someone's going through something. If someone's battling cancer, if someone's going through uh, uh, the domestic divorce of their parents, are you sympathetic uh, as a friend and as a Christ follower by mourning with them, by grieving with them, but also being hopeful alongside them, by not being scared of the mess? This is a huge way that brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ can seek peace during a time of conflict is by remaining sympathetic to each other. But he also says, be like-minded by being sympathetic. And he adds, love one another. And I know everyone will kind of listen to that and go, yeah, I, I get that. Loving one another um, unconditionally uh, will be one of the hardest things that you ever do. Loving one another the way that Jesus wants us to love one another is a selfless love where other people are placed before ourselves. I mean, that idea of, are we naturally the first in line to something if we want it? That idea of when we take a photo, who's the first person that we look for to see if that photo looks good and I'm about to post it and you're about to get all your friends to comment and be like, girl, you look fire. Bay, baby, bay, uh, queen. I don't know why girls are calling each other queen. There's only so much territory. You can only have a certain amount of queens, um, but that's your newfangled teen jargon. Love itself means that you did care deeply about someone. And so the first question of even seeking peace, can you do these things? And the Bible would argue that not on our own, not on our own accord can we love deeply, remain sympathetic, love others more than we love ourselves. But the, the pathway to this peace, of course, starts with the love for Jesus and sort of works its way out of that love that we have for Christ. A big question there for that first point is, are you okay being around people who differ from you in some culture, cultural or political perspective. Why? Because your love for them is greater than the affirmation of your perspective. And that means your love for them is greater than you hearing how right you are all the time. 
Have you noticed that the people perhaps that you're constantly around believe everything that you believe and do everything that you do? Um, part of that could look like self-idolatry and we're sort of putting the mission on back burn. So the idea here is that through the Holy Spirit and the power that the Holy Spirit gives us, we understand that Peter starting off with seeking peace will result in these other areas that he mentions. And so we are to be compassionate, we are to be humble, and then in verse 9, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult. Um, this is the way of Christ. Are we asking that the Lord bless our enemies? Are we asking those people around us um, that they be blessed even though they disagree with us? Or are we taking part in a cancel culture where it, the most popular thing is just to remove someone who completely disagrees with you? Um, you'll love life and you'll see good days. And, and you, you read that and you're like, good days now. That's not possible. Look at the COVID, um, uh, just the, the racial justice and injustice conversations, the, the election in November. There are things that are captivating our thoughts that do not need to buy up so much room in our heads and our hearts. And we can be thinking about these things and we can be activists for certain things. But our first and foremost uh, place is ambassadors of Jesus Christ, people who long to please the Lord and bring glory to him and proclaim the gospel so that people are saved for eternity, not feel better temporarily. And so we are to live like Jesus and you'll have the joy that Jesus lived with. And so you can't find the joy in your life unless you are seeking peace. If you are seeking controversy, if you are seeking drama, uh, you will only find controversy and drama because it is everywhere. Uh, we used to say it in the 90s, save the drama for your mama. And I don't know why we treated our mothers like that, but that was the phrase. So stop here, sort of look over that and understand first and foremost, am I responding to people in a way where I'm seeking peace above all else? Or has this, even inadvertently or accidentally, become all about me? Uh, the next thing that Peter warns us is probably the, one of the toughest things for us to hear, which is expect suffering. You see, see the last part of verse 9 and then all the way into 17, and we'll take it sort of slowly here, is in verse 9, it's talking about experiencing hardship and suffering and justice. And Peter says again, he has the audacity to say to suffering Christians at that time, you were called for this. Well, what does that mean? Well, first again, let's reiterate the context. You have Christians dying for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's their version of suffering. Our version of suffering may look entirely different, but we still feel like we're suffering for the gospel if we're trying to follow Christ in a darkened world. And so he goes on and, and, and sort of in that defines it. You are called to this. And there's a reason why people want to believe the version of Christianity where as soon as you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, everything's going to be good. Everything's going to be fine. And unfortunately, that's just not the reality. Um, I've heard a theologian say it this way about First Peter is that we should be willing to suffer unjustly because Christ was willing to suffer unjustly to bring us to God. You see, we can get there with gratitude over what actually happened. And if it's tough for us to see outside our me-centeredness, that typically expresses an unbelief or a lack of faith that is very much needed in order to walk this life out. Um, so to save on time, I sort of just want to look at that verse 17 real quick, and then we'll go back and sort of cover some of the other verses. But verse 17, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. And here's what we have to understand, and I say I don't say this lightly, okay? I don't. I hopefully don't preach out or talk, teach any of this lightly, but it's just God's will sometimes for us to suffer. 
and some of us are, are asking the question, you know, we've done everything good. They were a good person. Uh, we've done everything right. And, and I know Mercy Hill, as well as Emily Baptist, have experienced their fair share of hardships uh, in the past year. But understand that the Christian life is you can do everything good and you can still suffer. And so we need to get rid for our own growth, for our own encouragement, for our own walk in Christ. This idea of a smooth sailing God who, if you please him, he will make everything peachy keen for you. And that's just not what Jesus's life was like. Jesus was perfect and he suffered for it. And you are called to this, is what Peter says. If you placed your faith in Christ, you understand he is true. He is historical. He is as real as you and me. He is living today. He beat death. He conquered the grave. If you believe that, then we need to be able to teach those around us by how we respond to things and how we live our lives that we, to, we are to expect suffering. We can, we can definitely not um, enjoy suffering. You don't have to pretend to be some kind of holy whenever you're suffering. Like, Lord, thank you so much for this downpour. I'm covered in rain. Glory. You don't have to do that. That's not, this is not this false, pious version. That's pharisaical at best. This is saying, ultimately, finding a place of such peace. Remember that first point that you can understand the suffering has purpose and that you can go, look, Lord, I don't, I don't deserve a single breath. I, don't, I definitely don't deserve an eternity with you. So I'll take the rainstorm and I'll rejoice in you for it. And so if we don't believe that, we tend to set ourselves up for a version of God that doesn't exist. It makes it really hard to find the good days amidst the bad times. Um, and it's the goal, is, by, the, by the way, and that general theme is not just to make ourselves feel better. It's to do what Paul wrote in, in the, to the letter at Church of Philippi uh, in Philippians. We re rejoice in all things. Rejoice. Because this is a conversation uh, of, of the Holy Spirit and the world around us that we are dying to reach. And if they see that we can find peace in the midst of turmoil, if they see that we can take our sufferings and praise the Lord for it, then they know that we're not bent to worship these things around us. Uh, I had someone say the other day, it's COVID season. Oh my gosh. And and all this stuff's going on. I'm so scared. And there's legitimate reasons to kind of freak out, I guess, sometimes. But they're also like, uh, and an asteroid's coming to Earth, and and then a hurricane's coming. And I'm some, somehow I'm telling, did you forget that that the world was fallen? That this is the natural state of things? Was it smooth sailing for you sometimes, or is this always just going to be a response to bad things happening? And you can find peace, and you can understand that us suffering has purpose when you've placed your faith in something bigger. Than yourself, and that something has a name, and his name is Christ. And so those are two of our four points. The third here is, again, difficult to do on our own, which is everything without Christ. Turn misery into ministry. So look specifically back at verse 15 through 16. It says this, But in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. I'm going to say that again, because it's about 16 minutes in, and this is the part where you guys go, bird, squirrel, Verse 15, but in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Some of us have been in church a long time and still don't know how to talk the gospel to other people. You need to know this is not just the pastor's responsibility. This is everyone who proclaims the name of Christ has an opportunity to turn misery, our own and someone else's, into ministries. So Peter sort of summarizes that and says, your suffering might be the best moment you have to point others to Jesus. One of the toughest conversations I ever had was with um, teenagers who had lost their mom. And it was a conversation that had to do with what are we to do now? And of course, there's mourning. Mourn. 
but we don't mourn like those who have no hope. And it doesn't change the fact that we still have a mission and that perhaps now, maybe even months or years later, someone will come across who's also lost their mom and they'll listen to us because of what we've experienced. And I might not be able to get through and other people who still have their mom might not be able to get through, but that suffering then has purpose of a greater perspective, which is eternal. And if you're doing what you're supposed to do, if you're obedient and discipleship and evangelism and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ because you know heaven is real and hell is real and the gospel is true, then you are able to share that experience with them and talk about the gospel within it. So it makes misery turn into ministry when your hope is not of this world, but in something much bigger and better than us. And then he sort of adds again, be ready to give a defense. And this doesn't mean be ready to argue every little detail. The internet has sort of ruined uh, discussion to a degree. Um, those aren't real discussions. I'll go on record here and say your online debates uh, that last forever, they're, they're not real discussions. It's communication, but it has an iner- inherent flaw in that communication, and it's that it lacks tone and it lacks context. And so if we look at the early church, if we look like our conversations of people who are leaving Judaism for the gospel and, and leaving old pagan religions for the gospel, we see that they were one to Christ, not because someone paid them off. They were one to Christ, one, because the gospel was preached and the Spirit worked. But they also had faithful messengers of the gospel who took Jesus' great commission in Matthew 28 incredibly seriously. When it says, even if it costs me my life, even if I were to lose everything, will I still go baptize, make disciples, and build the kingdom until Christ returns? So this understanding of that we have a job to do will help us in those bad times more than you realize, even though it's really hard. And the last one, stay on message. Verses 18 through 22, um, none of this works if we don't stay on the message. Verse 18 says this, For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring to you God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Verse 19, in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in the past were disobedient when God patiently waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. In it a few, that is eight people, were saved through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you not as the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. Now, some of us in that passage are going, what the heck are you talking about with two or three of those things? Well, let's quickly address both those things and then summarize our final conclusion, okay? So the first thing in verse 20, the past Jesus kind of Uh, by the Spirit went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison who in the past were disobedient. Um, You might have seen this work itself out in some big judgment house performances or big heaven gates and hell's flames sort of uh, big productions. And after Jesus um, conquers death, he goes down and they're like literal keys and he starts just busting people out of prison um, like Sylvester Stallone and the Expendables. Um, That's a theory. The other option and the one I prefer is that Peter is saying that Christ through his Spirit was preaching to a dis- disobedient generation and that everyone who died before Jesus was saved, by the, was saved by the same faith that we are now saved by. That, that it's never, there was never before Jesus, that Jesus is God. And so everything in John 1, 1 through 4 that's happened, that's good of God, was all through Jesus, for Jesus, by Jesus. And so it, it leads to a Christ-centeredness rather than a me-centeredness understanding of what took place on the cross. 
And so the second sort of confusing phrase there is in verse 21 when he mentions baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Well, we don't believe that we are saved by baptism or that it's sort of the final stage to our salvation, that we really need it to really make it stick. Sorry, Carrie Underwood. Um, I understand the song. I get the, the adoration of baptism. It's a special time of confession, but there's nothing necessarily magic in the water itself. But what is represented by the baptism, when we go under and come out, it's an amazing time because we have confessed to the world that we have changed. It's that removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of good conscience. And that really is signifying that we have requested for forgiveness of sins towards the Lord. And so in that we declare baptism. And so it's what it represents, not necessarily what the magical water does. But all of this comes back to that final point of stay on message. That when we confess our sins to a Lord who beat death and we're baptized by him because of the grace of the gospel, we have this ability, this opportunity now to declare to the world who might seem hopeless that Christ wins. Just like he won in the days of Noah when everyone thought Noah was a fool. We see that in Hebrews 11. We see that in Genesis, this idea that the whole world around him thought Noah was a fool. And what happened? Stayed faithful, continued to build the ark. So our question really right now is, are you going to allow the bad times to stop you from being faithful to what you've been called to do by a Christ who gave you everything when he gave you himself? And so the real charge here is to take these words, study the scripture, and prepare. I'm excited about camp in the winter. I am. I'm excited because we're just going to hit the gospel as hard as we can. And we're going to learn some things. And hopefully, I pray the Lord Jesus is already working in the hearts of those who do not know him as Jesus Christ, as Lord and Savior. And I pray that he's working in the hearts of those of you who do know. And so you are serious about the mission of the gospel, serious about discipleship, learning more about God's word and prayer and seeking counsel of Christians. I pray those things over you. That is my heart. I pray those over my own students. But don't, don't forget that camp, it's camp. And it's a part of life. And we don't have to wait to camp to get this right. That camp is a wonderful time where we can be away from distractions and away from the day-to-day. But if you don't have this right, if you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you can get it right right now. You can understand. You can seek Christ. Seek Christ because Christ wins. I love you guys. I'm thankful for you. And I miss you. That was a weird thing to say at the end, but I do. I love you. Bye. Thanks, Adam, for bringing the word. Uh, and uh, just the challenge of how do we deal with uh, all the bad days and the rough days? Uh, where do we find the good? And, and I love the point of taking your misery and turning it into ministry, that, that God can use your struggles to not only bless and encourage pe- pe- people, but it can be used to reach them with the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, so don't forget the message is so important. Uh, and God, uh, the same God that 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 we that moves so great at, at, at camp, moves moves here at home as well. Look for Him, uh, study His Word, um, um, get engaged. Whether it's Edge Online or Edge Live or small groups, but make sure you are um, locking in uh, to Bible study and growing in your faith. Uh, let's pray together, dear God. We thank you so much for. Just a chance to have the Edge Online, a youth camp edition, uh, have some fun with it, but also be challenged by a word 
uh, from you. Lord, may, may we um, grow in our faith. May we, when we have struggles, may we look to you and may we point this world that needs to see you to you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I hope y'all have a great week. We do have high school small group in the quad this week at five o'clock. Uh, so make sure that you uh, high schoolers, eighth graders, if you're moving up to ninth, to ninth grade right now, uh, so you, you are, are invited to come to that. We will practice social distancing. The Edge Life uh, will be back at the Worship Center next Wednesday, August the 12th. Uh, and so I uh, look forward to getting to see uh, you all there next week. Church is also going on on Sunday. Sign up online. Have a great week. See you later.